This morning, I want to do things just a little bit differently, and I don't have room for all my material up here tonight. I want to do things a little bit differently than we normally do. Um, we were in that great passage of Scripture in Matthew 6 today that we've come to call the Lord's Prayer. That's probably not an appropriate title for that. Really, it's a model prayer. It's a prayer for us, not as much for Him. Um, but I can honestly, I just can't think of, for me personally, a more meaningful uh, and a more intimate passage of Scripture than those familiar words, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, there's no passage of Scripture that I know of that speaks to my heart more than the Lord's Prayer. There's, there's no passage of Scripture that, that I'm, I'm more familiar, familiar and more acquainted with. Uh, there are many nights when I go to sleep and that's the last thing on my mind praying through that when I go to sleep. I would tell you that that's the first thing on my mind when I wake up in the morning. Uh, but coffee is usually the first thing on my mind when I wake up in the morning. Um, but as I told you this morning about how that was such an instrumental part of my learning how to pray, uh, it wasn't always the case that I felt like I had any idea how to pray. Um, it took me a long time to, to feel like I, I had understood what the secret was. I felt like that these other Christians out here, you know, they got it. Surely there was somebody out here that knew how to pray, and I just hadn't got that secret sauce yet. You know, what, what was it that I was missing? And I told you this morning how much it helped me to realize Jesus was actually saying, this is how you do it. This is a framework that you can use to build your prayers on. And this was, this was years after I had been pastoring. You know, I could, I could preach about prayer and tell people they need to pray more. I don't know why you people are so sorry you don't ever pray. And all the while I'm thinking, man, I hope nobody sees through this because I have no idea what I'm doing. So what I want to do tonight in our time together is go a little bit further in that and give you some kind of practical tools to help you pray along those lines. It's practical tips for the praying life. How do you pray? When I interviewed with the search committee here at Sharon I think if we don't move, we should be good. Demons. Because we might have one here uh, that needs to be... I think the problem is that every time it like touches my belt, it's static. So I guess I'm not grounded. Maybe that's a problem. I don't know. Um, what are we talking about? Something to do with prayer. You should pray more. Amen. Let's pray and go home. Um, when I... When I interviewed with the search uh, committee here at Sharon Heights, one of the promises that I made to them is that, that as a pastor, I would, I would help you learn to pray. And there are a lot of things I hope God lets us do together here at Sharon Heights. And I really do believe God is going to do great things here through you, uh, through the work of the gospel and the power of the Word of God. But even if some of those big things God never does, uh, if, if I've helped you learn how to pray better, then, then I've been a success as your pastor. I really do believe that. But please don't think that I'm an expert in this. I feel like maybe I'm halfway through kindergarten, you know. And if I can just help you cut in the lines a little bit better, then that, that will be a win for all of us. Another reason I feel like this is important is we're at a stage at Sharon Heights where we are thinking, what does it look like for us to actually make disciples? Uh, and part of answering that question means we have to be able to answer from Scripture, here's what a disciple of Jesus looks like. And Brother Corey and I have been talking about this a lot lately. What are the, the characteristics that are true in the life of every single person that really is following Jesus? And I think we've landed on eight of them. 
And there are things like faithful church attendance, worshiping with God's people, fellowshipping with God's people, serving and using your gifts to minister to the body around you, sharing the gospel, and most importantly, knowing the gospel in such a way that, that you really are sure you really are saved. Financial stewardship, that is important for every true disciple of Jesus. But every true disciple of Jesus reads the Bible and they pray. Those are true things. So I wanted just to help you try and pray a little bit better tonight. But we struggle, don't we? Uh, we? We really do struggle. Prayer is one of the most universal human experiences. People all over the world in every language imaginable. And every kind of setting conceivable to every kind of God you could ever possibly think of. They pray. People pray. Even people that don't believe in any God at all, they pray for some reason. People pray. It's this part of who we are. There's in us a desire to connect with God, but there's also something in us that feels like we are separated from Him. That feels like we just don't know how to put it into words. We don't know how to, to, to get it out. And prayer can be one of the most frustrating experiences for us as children of God. I even read a quote a few weeks ago from John Piper. Some of you are familiar with him. And he said, about his own prayer life, he said, I, I prayed things, I say the same things all the time. And he said, my mind tends to wander when I pray. And I thought, I read that and I thought, John Piper, really? Then I thought, thank God, because this means I'm not alone. That even people that are thought of as these massive spiritual giants, and you could take his name out and you could put Charles Stanley, you could put Adrian Rogers, Charles Spurgeon, any of them, they would tell you the exact same thing. I remember one day, several years ago, I think it was a Sunday morning, we were in church and we received the offering. The ushers came forward. I called on one of the ushers to pray. We all bowed our head and closed our eyes, and the brother starts off his prayer like this. And I remember it probably until the day I die. He said, Lord, we want to thank you for the food. And he caught himself as soon as he said it. And I thought to myself, that joker don't ever pray except to thank God for the food. And of course, I'm thinking about all of that while I should be praying, you know? And, and so this is, this is a struggle. It is a struggle. And I want to be, uh, just, just let you know that part of the blame uh, lies with pastors. Because here's what pastors do. Pastors tell you how, why you should pray. We, we tell you that it's to ask for forgiveness and to rely on God and exercise faith. And God answers prayer and all this. And we tell you what prayer is. That prayer is an expression of our dependence on God. But we never tell you how to do it, do we? It's like taking two-thirds of driver's ed where they tell you what a car is and tell you what the street signs are. And they never put you behind the wheel. We never get around to telling you, actually, here's how you put your hands at 10 and 2, and here's how you put it in drive, and you want to press the skinny one on the right to go. We never tell you how to do that. So tonight, I want to give it my best shot, give you some simple, straightforward tools to help you pray. And even though this is not really preaching as such, I think this will honestly will be probably the most profitable half hour that we'll ever spend together. So I want you to take your Bible tonight and turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 23 through 31. You can keep your seat tonight as we read this. But Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. Acts 4 and verse number 23. We're kind of interrupting a story halfway through, but I'll try and catch you up. The Bible says that when they were released, that's Peter and John, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentile rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His anointing. 
for truly in this city they were gathered against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your words with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And I believe the Lord is going to help us as we look at these verses tonight. Now, just to catch you up to what's happening, in Acts chapter 4, you have the first time in the history of the church that following Jesus has started to get very risky. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John had gone on their way to the temple. There was a crippled man that was there that was begging them for money. Peter and John said, what every pastor wishes they could say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the guy does. And he jumps up, tries out his new leg, and he dances around the temple rejoicing in this newfound miracle that God has blessed him with. It's an incredible moment. Peter and John are not going to miss an opportunity to preach a good sermon. And so they start telling people, listen, if you believe in Jesus, he can do this same kind of thing in you. Maybe not physically, but certainly spiritually. And then the religious leaders in the temple, they start to, to get wind of this and they say, we don't want the power of God at work here if we can't control it. And so they start to um, fuss a little bit. And then the fuss becomes very threatening and then it becomes one thing after another. And then they basically put Peter and John kind of in holding and they threaten them and say, now listen, we know y'all love Jesus, but you may not have got the memo. A few months ago, we killed him. And so you can't go around preaching and telling everybody that he's alive. Peter and John say, well, the problem is that a few weeks ago, we saw him alive after y'all killed him. And so we're going to go around telling everybody that he is alive because it's better for us to obey him than to obey you. And so they threaten them, and then they finally release them, and they report back to the church in verse number 23. And I love, I just noticed it, I love what they say, that they went to their friends. That's their church, they went to their friends, isn't that awesome? They went to their friends at church and said, here's what happened to us. And then they pray. And as they pray, we'll learn several things tonight, but verse 31 says that the Lord answers, and the place in which they were gathered was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. What I am not going to promise you tonight is that you are going to start praying prayers that are going to shake buildings. Alright? I'm not going to promise that to you. But what I can show you in this text of Scripture is their thought process, how they thought about prayer, and how it can shape practically the very words that we use when we pray. This is not the only way that faithful Christians pray or have prayed. But this is a church that is on fire for Jesus. That is filled with the Holy Spirit. That is doing miracles. And will change the world. This is them on their knees. This is how they prayed. And it would be good for us tonight to eavesdrop on this prayer meeting. And just to learn how they prayed. So there are three kind of tips I want to give you tonight. Very, very simple but very, very helpful. Some of these may be new to you. Maybe all of them will be. Maybe none of them will be. But they're all here in this text, and they will help you pray better. And here's the first one. When you pray, pray the Psalms. When you pray, pray the Psalms. One of the most striking things I think you see in this text of Scripture is that when the people were threat threatened, when they were pressed, when they were struggling, they take their Bibles to God. And in prayer, they open their Bibles to God and they begin to say back to the Lord things that He has said to them. Specifically, in verse number 25, you see this. They say, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea. Then verse 25, Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit. Then this is a quotation from Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And they pray this psalm back to the Lord. Now, 
Do you ever feel like you don't know what to say when you pray? Do you ever feel like you just don't have the words? Do you ever feel like you wonder, is God going to hear me? Is God going to answer me? I, I don't know how to put it. Uh, I just don't know how to get it out and get it out there. Did you know that your Bible contains with it 150 divinely inspired prayers that faithful people of God have written down that you should be praying? So how do you know I should be praying them? Because they did. In their prayer meeting, they went to Psalm chapter 2 and they prayed it back to the Lord. So you, when you pray, you do not have to stammer around and, and, and stumble over your words and feel awkward and feel confused. You see in this church here the practice of praying the Psalms. So I'm going to tell you this tonight. And it, it, it may rub some of y'all the wrong way, but I don't know how else to, to say it but to just to say it. One of our biggest hindrances we have to prayer is our confused belief that prayer always has to be spontaneous and it always has to kind of be original to us. What I mean is we feel like if it just doesn't just overwhelm us and come up from out, out of nowhere, then it's not real prayer. But that's not what they're doing here. These people actually had something in their hands when they prayed. And it has been the practice of many, many great believers, particularly these believers here in Acts, to actually pray the Psalms when they pray. How many of you tonight are familiar with the name George Mueller? One or two takers. Three, maybe. Some of y'all thinking, didn't he used to work at that Lowe's in Adamsville? Uh, no. George Mueller was a British man who lived in the 19th century. And he's widely known as one of the great prayer warriors of the church. A man who prayed and God accomplished several, just incredible miracles. Just the unbelievable God did in response to his prayers. And what George Mueller did is he ran an orphanage. In the 19th century in England, in a time when orphans lived very hard, there was no government assistance, they had no rights and no families. Many of them were sent to work and would work 18 hours a day until they dropped dead. That was just the reality. And George Mueller felt burdened by the Lord to, to start a home for orphans. And he ended up caring for over 10,000 orphans during the course of his life. And he took in, during his life, he took in what would be in today's money, half a billion, that's a billion with a B, half a billion dollars. And the amazing thing about George Mueller's life is that he never one time asked for anything. He never posted in a newsletter. He never, you know, sent it out in the paper. He never said, here's some needs that I have. But he'd always pray and simply ask God and God provided time and time again. He never asked anybody but God for anything. There are stories and times when George Mueller would sit down with all those orphans, hundreds and thousands of people depending on him to eat, and they wouldn't have anything in their plates, and they would have nothing to drink, and he would say, kids, we're going to bow our heads and we're going to thank God for the food that he's provided. And while they were praying, there would be a knock at the door, and the town baker would come in and say, something went wrong with this bread, I figured your kids could use it. And then somebody else would pull in and say, we just had a bunch of extra meat. We figured y'all could use it. That's the way God worked in his life. It's an amazing story. But he explains that in his life, he, in his early life, he struggled to pray. He said, I did not know how to pray. And he said he would get down to pray and he would spend the first half hour of his prayer time just trying to get comfortable. I love that. Just trying to get comfortable. He said, my mind would wander. I couldn't concentrate on anything. Then he said this, and I can't remember if we had this on the screen or not. But he said, I scarcely, guess not, I scarcely ever suffer now in this way. He said, I don't do that anymore. He said, for my heart being nourished by the truth, being brought into experimental fellowship with God, I speak to my father and to my friend, vile though I am, and unworthy of it, about the things that he has brought before me in his precious word. Then he said, it often now astonishes me that I did not sooner see this point. What happened in George Mueller's life that transformed him into one of the greatest prayer warriors that God has ever blessed the church with is that he started to pray the scripture. And he started to pray the Psalms in particular. 
Say, Pastor, I'm just not convinced I should be praying the Psalms. Here's my final argument that why you should absolutely be praying the Psalms. Not just because they did it in Acts. Not just because faithful Christians have done it all over the world since Jesus lived. But do you remember what Jesus said on the cross? When He said in Matthew's Gospel, He said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Do you know where that comes from? That's a quotation from Psalm chapter 22 and verse number 1. You know what the very last thing Jesus said on the cross was before He died? He said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Do you know where that comes from? That's a quotation from Psalm chapter 31 and verse number 5. Do you know what Jesus was doing while He died for your sins? He was praying the Psalms. And if the Psalms are Jesus' last words, then friends, those words ought to fill our prayer lives. Think, okay, well, that's great. Well, how do I do that? How do you do it? Well, here's a simple way to pray the Psalms. There are 150 of them. And there are roughly 30 days in a month. And you can, you can do the math, and, and that works out to about five psalms a day. And any kind of plan you ever come across to, to pray the psalms, they're, they're going to break down into five a day. And what you can do is a couple of different things. You can just start on day one of the month and, and go through psalms one through five. And then day two, you do six through ten and on and on. You can do what I do. I have um, a copy of the praying of the Psalms from the Book of Common Prayer, which they've been praying in England since the 1540s, which I think is just cool. And it breaks it down a little bit different because some Psalms are a little bit longer and some are shorter. Or you can say on the first day of the month, you pray Psalm 1. Then you pray Psalm 31, 61, 91, 121. On day 2, you do Psalm 2, Psalm 32, 62, 92, 122, on and on and on. But here's what you do. Here's what you do. However you, you take it, what, what I would encourage you to do is I would encourage you just to take those psalms and read them and, and not to be, you know, focusing necessarily really intense on studying them well, but reading them. Um, and whatever jumps out at you, let that form your prayer. Whatever sentence, whatever paragraph, whatever few words jump out at you, let that form your prayer. That's what they seem to be doing here in Acts chapter number 4. So let me show you how this might work. Today is the 21st day of the month, which means that on today you could be praying Psalm 21, 51, 81, and 111. I want you to turn in your Bible to Psalm 111. Because I read these Psalms today, and this is the Psalm that, that, that jumped out to me. The first couple of verses in particular. I just want to kind of show you how I prayed this verse sitting on my couch this afternoon. Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. Amen. I read that and I think, Lord, I want to praise you. And in particular, today's Sunday. Today's the Lord's day. I've been at church this morning, knew I was coming back tonight, and I'm saying, Lord, I want to worship you when I come to church. Lord, I want our people to worship you. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. Lord, don't let there be any distraction in my heart. Don't let there be any division in my heart. Let me focus entirely on worshiping you in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in Him. And what was on my mind as I was reading these verses? I was praying for y'all this afternoon while I read this. Thanking, Lord, you have called us together as a congregation to worship. Lord, let us worship you. Full of splendor and majesty is His work. And depending on how much time you have or what may be on your... Right now, what I want to do right now as I read that, is I just want to pray and thank the Lord for His work. And I think about His work in saving me, His work at the cross, and I just want to lift up a prayer of thanksgiving. And that's how this works. This isn't complicated. It's not complex, but you should be praying the Psalms, I believe, every day of your life that you can manage.
Secondly, and, and built on this, but taking a little bit further, I'm going to give you a little bit more detail on how to do this. In Acts chapter 4, they're not only praying the Psalms, but we, we hear from this generally that we should be praying the Scripture. You see that when they went to pray, they took their Bibles with them. The way that they prayed was shaped by Scripture, and it was scriptural praying. They say in verse 24, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You hear people pray that way at church? That's a different way of praying, isn't it? That's praying that is influenced by the thoughts and the language of Scripture. And before they get down to asking God for anything, they first go back to God and remind God of what He said to them. Don't they? I mean, they like hold Him at His word. They said, Lord, You said through our father David, by Your Spirit, this. And they take it to it. Prayer is a conversation between you and God. You know that. But here's what maybe, here's, here's where the light has never come on for some of you. Prayer is a conversation between you and God, but it's a conversation He's already started. He's already spoken. Prayer is responding to what God has said. Pray the Bible. I promise you it will change your life. So how do I pray the Scriptures? I want to give you four or five different methods of doing that. One is when you read your Bible, however you're reading your Bible, read it with a prayerful attitude. Read the Bible with a heart that's already tuned to prayer. For instance, if I'm reading this text, I'm, I'm reading this thinking about our church, and I'm praying, and I did as I, I meditated on this a few weeks ago. I, I said, Lord, make our church people that pray this way. Knowing that we would be spending both of our services today talking about prayer, I have been praying for you that God would make us into a praying people that are confident and faithful and fruitful when we pray. Lord, give us a heart to pray scripturally soaked prayers. In other words, what I'm doing is I'm using this to riff off of. This is just a springboard. And as these things come into my mind, I'm using this as my prayer guide. I would also encourage you, secondly, to meditate on Scripture. Meditation is not a practice that Christians engage in very frequently or very, um, maybe very well. But did you realize that God's people have been meditating longer than Buddhists? Psalms 119, verse 148, and there are more Psalms that say this, but they say, My eyes are awake before the watches of the night, that I may meditate on your promise. That verse predates Buddhism by 600 years. What does Christian meditation look like? I don't have all this figured out, but it means letting these verses fill your mind, letting them fill your thought, saying them to yourself over and over again with a prayerful spirit, emphasizing each word, rolling them around in your mind and in your thoughts, looking at it from every angle, and letting God shape your praying and thinking by His Word. Christian meditation is a practice few of us, few of us do practice, but it's one we need to probably practice more. Another way that you can pray Scripture is by praying it directly. You should never, ever, ever let the words of Scripture just become rote memorization. Never go to God and just say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Never let it be heartless. Never let it be vain repetition. But there are some things in the Bible that you can pray directly, word for word. In particular, I think of the prayers of Paul for the churches that he wrote to. If you want a good one to pray word for word, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. I'm not going to look at those verses tonight, but take that and, and pray. And I would even consider adding, if you want another way to pray the Bible, consider adding just from a favorite book that you're reading through, whatever your regular reading, or add another chapter to your reading, and, and just pray it as you read it. For me, the sweetest times in my own 
walk with God in my own times of devotion are, are when the lines between reading and praying and studying, when they kind of get lost and it all comes together just as enjoying the Word in His presence. That's, those are the sweetest moments of my spiritual journey. And sometimes we get so compartmentalized that we forget we should be praying through the Word of God as we read it. And I've been guilty of this lately, uh, of maybe what some of you do, where I'm reading through the Bible this year like I try to do every year, and I'm, I'm grinding out five chapters a day, and it's just sprinting through them. But this morning while I was reading Scripture, while everybody else was asleep and I was drinking my coffee, uh, God was speaking to me, and I was praying to Him about some things He was revealing to me from the prophet Jeremiah, and I'm thankful for that. But here's, here's another way that you can pray Scripture. And this, I think, will help you more than anything else. So save, as it were, the best for last. I told you this morning about Martin Luther. And his barber came to him and said, or he came to the barber, and the barber said, Dr. Luther, teach me to pray. Well, Martin Luther went home and he wrote down uh, a helpful way to pray that you can still read today. Martin Luther took time for this barber and said, here's how I pray. And I just, right before I got up here, I shared that on my Facebook profile. So if you want to go find a link to it, you can. You can buy a paper copy for like four bucks. And here's what Luther said. Here, here's how he said he prayed the Scripture. And I'm pretty sure we do have this one on the slide. So if we can get Dr. Luther up there to help us pray. He said, when you pray, when you pray the Scripture, you take those verses you're praying and you treat them as four different books. Four different books. He said this was like a string of garland that you hang together to form a necklace when you pray. Luther was kind of weird, some things he said. But he said you treat every scripture as a school book, as a penitence book, a hymn book, and a prayer book. Say, what in the world does that mean? He said when you're reading the Bible and praying the Bible, first treat it like a school book. In other words, what does it tell you to do? What does it tell you to do? What's it instructing you to do? Say, you're reading through Acts 4. Let's just use this text. You're reading through Acts 4. What does this passage tell you to do? It tells you to pray, right? It tells you here uh, explicitly to be bold for the sake of Jesus. It tells you here to stand up for Him, to rely on Him, to trust in Him, all those kind of things. So when I'm praying, I'm going through this passage of Scripture and I'm saying, Lord, I see that You want me to be bold. Lord, I see that You want me to be somebody whose boldness is born out of my prayer life. But then he says, also use it as a penitence book. The Roman Catholics, they had this practice of, of, you know, certain sins demanded certain amounts of Hail Marys and all this kind of stuff. Luther took that same basic idea and he said, when you read the Scriptures, what sins is it exposing to you? And he said, deal with those sins as you find them in the Word of God. So you're reading Acts chapter 4, what sin may be exposed to you here? Cowardice? Prayerlessness? Maybe even stretching just a little bit, not coming to church way all too. I don't know, maybe. Just, you know, a little bit. And you're coming and you're saying, Lord, I see that you want me to be bold, but so often I, I, I lack prayer and I lack boldness. Make me bold. Forgive me for not standing up for Jesus. Then he said, use it as a hymn book. Use it to praise the Lord. Use it as an opportunity to adore Him and thank Him for His goodness. How would you do that in Acts chapter 4? Well, sort of like what we talked about this morning. That if nothing else, when life is hard, like it is for these people, God hears us when we pray. And I can come to Him reading Acts 4 and say, Lord, thank You that every time I pray, You hear me. I was just looking at, at that word sovereign in verse number 24. That when life is out of control, these people are suffering because of Jesus. But God is still in control. If you want a reason to praise Him, there's your reason. And then He said, use it as a prayer book. He said, use after you have thought about what it teaches you, thought about how it exposes sin, and thought about how it leads you to worship, he said, then you pray from it. 
He says, then you start asking God for things. God, make me bold. God, make me a faithful witness. God, make me this kind of prayer warrior. Uh, another, uh, for me, that when I read that, that changed my life. That's one of the most life-changing moments. Um, like Seriously, top five, getting married, having kids, that. Because all of a sudden, it was, and that's why we're going to name our little boy Luther. Um, if Amy will let me know, she's not going to let me get away with it, don't worry. Um, but I read that, and all of a sudden, I had the Word of God that I was taking with me to pray. And it, it, it changed my life. I would commend you to, to practice, commend this practice to you. Another thing I picked up from Luther that I just started doing the past few weeks is Luther would pray through the Ten Commandments. Sometimes he said that if he felt like he didn't feel like praying, he would just take the Ten Commandments or the Lord's Prayer and sometimes the Apostles' Creed, and he would go through them and pray. And so I realized that, hey, there are Ten Commandments. I mean, you know, they named them, right? There are ten of them. And they're usually 30 days in the month. So I've just been meditating on whichever commandment that it would be, days one through ten, and then you start back over on day 11. Today's the 21st day of the month. So today I've been thinking about the first commandment. I said, I have no other gods before me. And I've been praying, Lord, what gods am I worshiping in your place? Lord, show me how I'm, I'm putting things above you in my life that should not be as glorious as you. So third, we're going to move on. Pray the Psalms. Pray the Scriptures. Uh, third, broadening the scope of this just a little bit more. Pray with a strategy. Prayer is like almost everything else in life. If you, if you fail to plan, you, you pretty much are planning to fail. If you don't get serious about how you're going into it. So what I'm saying is they didn't just come to this time of prayer in Acts chapter number 4 and just say, well, what are we going to pray about now? But they had an idea in mind of, of what needed to be said, of where to go in Scripture and how to take that to the Lord. So one of the, the best outlines for prayer, you've probably seen this before, is the acrostic acts, A-C-T-S. Uh, that starts with adoration, then moves to confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. That's really not that different from the way Luther said he prayed Scripture. And uh, you can do that through Scripture as you as you pray. Uh, the order doesn't necessarily matter. But that's just a convenient way to memorize that, or you can also just just do it. Just go to God and adore Him, and then take your sin to Him and thank Him for His blessings, and then get down to praying for your needs and praying for the needs of other people. If that sticks in your mind, then use that. The thing is, you need to pray, and and you need to do what works and what feels comfortable for you. What every one of us should have, what every one of us needs, is we need a portable list. That has the information of pretty much everybody we know on it. And we could take that list and we could pray for people. Wouldn't that be amazing to have that? Everybody that I have ever met, I have their information right here. And I can go to my contacts and the first person that pops up, y'all don't know this lady, her name's Velva Aby. And Sister Velvey is one of the deacon's wives at the very first church that I pastored. Her husband, Buck, passed away a number of years ago. Her daughter actually delivered Priscilla, was the nurse that did that. And she's a sweet lady. A lot of health problems, a lot of family issues right now. But I read that and I want to pray for her and thank God for her family. And then I scroll down and um, I come to a guy named Chris Allen. And Chris it works at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. I got to know him a couple years ago. Has an incredible testimony and does great work for the Lord. And I just want to pray that, that God would use him and, and keep him close to the Lord. Then there's my mom's brother, my Uncle Alan. He needs prayers for sure. Um, then Cindy Allred's on there. Cindy Allred, you're next. And I know Cindy has sent me some prayer requests just this week. 
and know those things and pray for them. Now, if you're like me, you got people on here that need prayer. Some of them you don't know how to pray for them, and, and just everybody you could ever know. So you have to break that up. You're not going to do that all in one sitting. You're going to be praying for eight hours at a time, like you're going to get fired. So make sure you have a way to do that. But most of us have never realized we have, like, literally, we have a prayer list that goes with us every single place that we go. Uh, when somebody asks you to pray for them, one of the best things you can do is pray for them immediately. Seriously. And one of the, one of the greatest things, you, if, you, if any of you text me in the church and you say, Brother Jesse, pray about this, 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 and this, I will usually, if I can, if, I, if I'm driving, I don't, but I will stop whatever I'm doing and pray for you right then. That's not because I'm spiritual, that's because I'm scatterbrained. And because I say, well, let me finish this sermon and I'll pray for you. And then it's three days later and you're like, oh, Brother Jesse, everything went well, turned out. Thank you for praying. You're so welcome. I'm glad God answered. I mean, you know, um, then I'll pray. Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me for lying. Write it down. And if somebody asks you to pray, a great habit to get into, I fall in and out of this habit, is just to stop right there and pray with them out loud. You don't forget. You know you prayed and... Sometimes people would quit asking to pray for them. <laughs> you embarrass them in, you know, the, the lettuce aisle at Walmart. Um, let, me, let me show you a couple things that have helped me in my prayer life. A couple resources I would recommend to you. First, the method of praying the Psalms that um, I recommended to you comes from this book called Praying the Bible by Donald Whitney. It uh, will cost you 13 American dollars and 99 cents. Um, it's an excellent, excellent book. Um, he's got a, a method for praying the Psalms, which you can get for free online if you'll just Google Donald Whitney praying the Psalms, and you'll find that for free. It's it's all it is though is praying Psalm one thirty one sixty one ninety one one hundred twenty one on the first day of the month, and then going from there. So it's not really anything you need to chart for. But he talks about the story about George Mueller. It came from this book. Uh, this is a, a great a great resource. The best book that I've ever read on prayer is uh, titled Prayer by Tim Keller. He goes through a lot of history. Uh, a lot of different theological perspectives about prayer and gives a lot of practical advice for prayer. It's a great, great study in prayer. And he gives some patterns for daily prayer with verses and all this kind of stuff. An excellent resource. This will cost you 26 American dollars and 95 cents. So uh, a little bit more pricey, but very well worth it. And third, uh, something I would recommend to you. You probably can't see this, but what this is, is this is a copy of the Psalms. This is... In uh, the ESV, they may have this in the NIV, I don't know. Somebody could make a fortune publishing this in the King James. They ought to, and go for it. You're welcome. There's your million-dollar idea for tonight. And all this is is, is the Psalms. And, and I know you can't read it, but they're real readable, real simple to read, real nice little volume. It's about 12 bucks or something like that. You can order it online. Um, this, is, this is a great little thing. When I pray the Psalms, this is what I take with me to, to pray those. And I've got, my, I've got my chart, you know, right there. I've got... The Lord's Prayer and the Ten Commandments, all that kind of stuff in there. So that's a great little volume, cool little thing to have. If you ever need any help in, in your prayer life, um, I can't say that I'm a, a, a reliable guide, but I want to help you pray better. I do, and I want to pray better. And if you've got any tips or ideas or strategies, please tell me because I want to learn in this school of prayer. But I'm thankful for me how I can see over the past three or four years of my life how God has brought me so much further. How he's been patient with me and he's teaching me to pray. One thing I found out is that he really is serious about making us praying people. He really is. He'll put us in situations where we have no option but to pray. Uh, and, and God wants us to be a people of prayer. I will tell you tonight, folks, I think one of, one of the greatest myths we have about prayer is that when we pray, that if we're doing it right, 
you know, we should always feel like we're transported into third heaven and we should be seeing angels and experiencing signs and wonders and visions and all this kind of stuff. That's crazy. That's crazy. More often than not, when I pray, I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. More often than not, well, I can't think I've ever had any kind of vision. I don't, you know, I don't have these, you know, ecstatic experiences and I don't expect those ecstatic experiences. But I have learned to take the word of God to the Lord when I pray. And I have found that God has opened up a new world of prayer. And y'all may have known this for years. I don't know. Maybe I was just left behind somewhere and nobody bothered to tell me. So it was like all new to me. But I found that when I take the word of God to prayer, particularly praying the Psalms and using Luther's method of using the word of God as an instruction book and as a prayer book and a hymn book and a repentance book that... Uh, it changed my life. I felt like I knew how to pray. And I don't really know what else to do tonight. I don't feel like we need to have an invitation. Because uh, I know we all know that we need to pray more. We all know that we need to pray better. But I do want to pray for you tonight. And what I want to do as we finish up is I want to pray that the Lord would make us into a people that pray with confidence. But I want to try and illustrate as, as I pray what I taught you this morning of praying the Lord's Prayer. Uh, about this particular issue and show you what that looks like. And I hope that not only do you pray, but, but that God uses it to help you learn to pray. And then um, we need to have a business meeting. So um, we're going to say, depending on how long we pray, well, I'll let you know when we get done praying. Let's pray. All right. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you today in Jesus' name. God, we know tonight that we need to be people that are committed to praying. And Lord, the fault is totally in us because you do call us your our Father you say that you hear us. You say that you care about us. That you will provide everything that we need even before we ask. God, uh, you know every single need that we have. You know every single issue in our lives. And Lord, help us to see that. That really the reason we probably don't pray as well as frequently as we should is because we don't really comprehend what it means for you to be our Father. You are not a distant God that we have to impress. But you are a Father who loves us. And we see that love in Jesus. And Lord, we are so thankful that we can call you our Father. Lord, even if we haven't prayed real sincere, heartfelt prayer in months. Lord, right now, if we come to you and call you our Father, you hear us. God, I'm thankful for that. But Lord, you are also not just our Father, but you are our God. You are the God who made us. And Lord, what greater motive could we have for prayer than knowing that you are our Father in heaven? That you don't just hear our prayers, but you answer you move heaven and earth to take care of us and to accomplish your will. God, we saw in Acts chapter 4 tonight how those people prayed to you as a sovereign Lord who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. God, help us to be people that grasp your bigness when we pray. Make us a people who pray those kind of God-centered prayers. Forgive us for not doing that. Forgive us for using prayer, Lord, to satisfy our own lusts and to satisfy our own desires and demands. Lord, help us to be people that truly are praying to you as our God so that your name be hallowed. Lord, we believe, we really do believe deep down that you want to do great things here at Sharon Heights. But Lord, you're probably not going to do anything apart from praying people. So God, use our prayers for your glory in this community, around the world. Use a praying people. Make us a people that are praying for your kingdom to come and for your will to be done. And I pray that you would use prayer to advance your kingdom in our hearts. Use it, Lord, to expose our sin. Use prayer, Lord, to make us love Jesus more and hate sin more. 
God, I pray that you would use prayer to make us more like Christ because we know He was a man of prayer. And God, I pray that you would use prayer to advance your kingdom in this world. Lord, so that more and more people around us and all over the world would bow before King Jesus and confess Him as their Savior. Use, your prayer, use our prayers to accomplish your will. It is your will that we pray. Lord, use your prayer to accomplish our, uh, your will in this world. And Lord, you've told us in the Word that you will provide for us. But many, many times, just like George Mueller, like we talked about tonight, you provide our daily bread by our faithful daily prayers. God, provide for us everything that we need to honor you. Give us everything that we need to hallow your name, to do your will, and to work for your kingdom. Help us never to, to falter in our faith that you will provide. Give us day to day what we need. And Lord, help us to trust you to do that. And always, always thank you for how you've provided. Forgive us, Lord, for the sin of prayerlessness. Forgive us, Lord, for not being people that come to you regularly and faithfully with our needs and our burdens. Forgive us for being so self-reliant. Forgive me for trusting in my own strength and my own intelligence and my own skills and not in you. Forgive me for not being a person of prayer. Lord, there are others certainly that sin against us. Lord, they probably sin against us by not praying for us, just as we've sinned against others by not praying for them. God, help us to forgive whatever hurts may be in our hearts. Lord, we know that if we have been forgiven by you, we should draw from that deposit of grace and extend it to others, knowing that your grace will never run dry. Lord, you have all power tonight in heaven and in earth. Lord, you are glorious beyond anything that we can imagine. And your kingdom, Lord, will be without end. And it's your power we need. It's your glory that we seek. And it's your kingdom that we serve. So we offer this prayer tonight in Jesus' name. Asking you to make us a prayerful people. Thanking you for the privilege of prayer. And praying you would use our prayers to advance your purposes. To provide for our needs. And to save the lost. And Father, we do that in Jesus' name. Amen.